Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Two o'clock hour in Indianapolis. For that matter, it's the two o'clock hour everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. Joining us now on the hotline, you can read his work at ESPN.com, along with obviously the various appearances he makes on this radio show, which are always appreciated. Uh, Stephen Holder joins us on the program. Stephen, I'm going to begin with this. Uh, as I was saying, typically Wednesday is kind of where we turn the page into the next opponent. We saw the Rams last night, but um, I, I hadn't really gotten fully up to speed on this of those not named Anthony Richardson or Ryan Kelly, who we will continue to keep an eye on. Were there any players coming out of the Baltimore game that got dinged up that are still lingering, so to speak, in terms of their practice availability this week? I would say not that I know of. You know, sometimes we learn of things on Wednesday that, that we didn't previously hear about. You know, they're not obligated to tell us about injuries, but I, I will say that Shane Steichen, after the game on Sunday, said that there was nothing obvious to report on injuries. Uh, Zach Moss definitely got banged up in the game. I mean, I think if you watched the game, you could tell he wasn't 100%. But uh, we've talked to him now on two separate occasions uh, since the game, and, and he seems to express that he's fine. Uh, he's a tough guy. So, you know, I, I think he would be the one that I was maybe some, somewhat concerned about, but he seems like he's all right. So, yeah, I think they're in pretty decent shape in terms of injuries that we know of, and and we'll see if they can maybe get back to full strength on Sunday. Okay, I'm going to go with – it's not even the elephant in the room at this point. I mean, it's like it's already broken all the china because it's been running around <laughs> rampantly. Um, when Jonathan Taylor is off pup, Twiggy, as we call him. Um, there is still that question mark, Stephen, as as to how he is handled, uh, both from his standpoint and his approach and from the Colts' approach. Your crystal ball tells you that it will all go down and develop how. So as we get closer to this and as it starts to take shape, because let's back up first. When when they talked about trading him and allowed him to to seek out a trade before right before the season uh, when that self-imposed deadline came and went i they put him on pup and i really thought it was just a matter of buying time but you know in, in other words thinking he still wants to be traded and and maybe when the time comes for him to get off pup you know he would still pursue that angle i'm not saying he won't still pursue that and maybe doesn't still want that. I just don't know that the opportunity is necessarily there. Now, the landscape has changed a little bit. You know, there have been some some running back moves made by other teams that that had needs. So, so there's not any obvious uh, destination right now. I think Miami was, I will tell you, the, the Miami Dolphins were the, absolutely the, the most interested team. And I thought that was the destination. If he got traded, that's where he would go. I don't know under what circumstance you could make the case right now that the Miami Dolphins should trade for Jonathan Taylor. Now, 
the Miami Dolphins with Jonathan Taylor would be amazing, <laughs> okay, clearly. But what are they willing to give up? What, what would they give up for anything right now with the team that they appear to have? So, I mean, they are willing these running backs to 300-yard games right now. I mean, and a lot of that is, is both through their, their own abilities, but also Mike McDaniel creating that through scheme and, and things of, of that nature. So they are not, you wouldn't think, they are not a team that's going to move heaven and earth to get Jonathan Taylor right now. That makes no sense. So I don't know where he goes. I think the most likely scenario, this is a long answer, but I think the most likely scenario is Jonathan Taylor uh, gets out there, gets in shape, and and plays for the Colts this year. Uh, at some point, he has to do something. I, I think otherwise, I think he makes it probably harder on himself in the spring You know, when he does try to get the big deal that he is seeking. Uh, I don't think it makes it better for him if he hasn't displayed anything for a very long time. So I think, I think the odds have gone up dramatically that Jonathan Taylor plays for the Colts pretty soon. ESPN, Stephen Older with us here on Query and Company. Stephen, where does Zach Moss's role get diminished if Jonathan Taylor returns? And is there anything he can do to change the way it's diminished between now and then with Los Angeles looming? Yeah, good question. And I, I have a story that's going to run that addresses some of this, I think, tomorrow. Anyway, I think it's a good question. And I would say that they can, co- they can coexist, the two of them. They're very different players. Zach Moss is is a power runner, uh, a guy who is going to wear you down. And you have Jonathan Taylor can do that. He he does run with power, but he is clearly uh, much more regarded as a as a home run hitter, a, a big play kind of guy. And I actually think, look, you can be mad at Jonathan Taylor. You can you can say lots of nasty things about the way he's handled it. it you know, as, as some fans have. You know, I get that. You know, you you like you like your team to be at full strength, and you want everybody to be all in. I, I get all that. But the one thing, whether you like him right now or hate him, the, the one thing you cannot deny is that the Colts could sure as hell use some big plays. And that is not a, a knock on anybody they have. They just they don't have a lot of big play explosiveness right now, even though they are winning, and and their offense has has been productive in spite of that. Uh, they've had to, they've had to kind of overcome the lack of those big plays. You know, their their yards per play right now is probably not enough to get it done. I mean, they're having to kind of overcome that, and, and frankly, their defense is what is leading the way. So, Jonathan Taylor can provide that. He's probably their most likely guy to provide big plays for them. So, I think that that helps them. And I'm telling you, the, the schedule they have coming up. I mean, there's no reason why. Uh, you shouldn't be optimistic if Jonathan Taylor's out there. Stephen Holder's our guest to ESPN.com where you can read his work. Stephen, I, I mentioned this earlier. Now, I know, um, you know, when I when I look over, like, on my resume, I have, like, on the third line of my resume, uh, Stephen Holder loves my analogies. That's, like, right there towards the top of awards and achievements, I mean- right? People actually hire you based on that, right? <laughs> uh, well, actually, they hire me, and then they hear my my analogies, and they're like, well, wait a minute. Who, who approved this? Well, so that, that, that lowers my credibility, but go ahead. That's right. Go uh, ahead. So you've been to Baskin-Robbins before, right? I believe I have, yeah. Okay. Baskin-Robbins known for their 30, uh, 31 flavors. I, I thought it was 33. It's 31 flavors of Baskin-Robbins ice cream, okay? There are 32 <laughs> NFL teams. Now, 
we all know 90% of people that go to Baskin Robbins are getting one of like five flavors, right? Yeah. The NFL to me is this year so far, we're very early in. It's Baskin Robbins. There's like five teams that everybody knows are really good. There, there are a couple of – there are two teams in the Bears and, you know, probably the Broncos that are like – you know, I have no idea what the you know dishwater flavored ice cream. Like, no, nobody's buying that. Everybody knows it's awful. And then in the right. middle is just all the butter pecan interchangeable. Like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's good. Yeah, whatever, sure, I'll eat it. Mm-hmm. So, in your opinion, the five, I guess actually the first question would be, who would you consider to be the five best flavors? Mint chocolate chip. Can we go with that? Uh, I, I, that's one of those where eh, I'll eat it. Um, Rocky Road. I, uh, I'm a, I, I will do Rocky Road for sure. Um, I, I this is maybe going to be there's probably going to be some disagreement on this, but um, I, I don't know, man. I, I can do the cookie dough too. Okay, I, don't know. I, I think the cookie dough is, is is definitely the cookie dough is like the Chiefs, right? Like it's kind of a Johnny Come Lately, but it's really good, right? Yeah, I agree. Okay. I agree. And and look, and and you know, this is I'm my father's son. I don't think that man has ever eaten anything, but. Uh, vanilla ice cream in his life so yeah i mean when all else fails i'm going vanilla right there Um, with you yeah and uh, you know here's another maybe controversial take not a chocolate ice cream guy okay fair enough Uh, now um so the chocolate ice cream though that's the new england patriots right i mean you know it's good you know that most people are going to consider it good and it has its moments but it also has like a high percentage of people that are totally over it right like, yeah, yeah, like the like okay, pumpkin cheesecake. That's, that's, that's the Bears. Thing. The Bears are pumpkin cheesecake, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just not working. It sounded good in theory. It's right. just not working. So who yeah. are okay? So who are the five best teams in the NFL right now? Mm. Good question. Um, well, Miami Dolphins. That's easy. Um, the Eagles. I think you have to put them up there just because they they're figuring out ways to win. I don't think they're in sync yet. But to be honest, one side note, I think they really, really, really miss Shane Steichen, by the way. Okay. So that bodes well if you're a Colts fan, I think. Anyway, uh, Dolphins, Eagles, uh, I mean, I feel like the Chiefs are going to be there, but are they one of the five best right now? I think that's debatable, but I'll just go ahead and put them in there. Um, I'm probably forgetting someone obvious, aren't I? Um, uh, Buffalo? Yeah, I think I I guess Buffalo is tough. You know, like I, I just think. Oh, San Francisco. San Francisco is who I'm forgetting. God, I knew that. Okay. So, yeah, I mean Buffalo is arguable. I think the problem with Buffalo, and I know you didn't ask me this, the, the problem with Buffalo is Josh Allen, for as great as he is, I think his his spectrum of results is still pretty wide. You know, like we've seen it already this year. You know, we've seen good Josh Allen, and we've seen bad Josh Allen. And the the difference between one and the other is, wow, I mean, it's it's incredible. He's got probably the biggest range of possible outcomes of any quarterback, who any, like, legit good quarterback, you know? Anyway, that's, those are my thoughts. I feel like the Jets are pistachio. Like, for some reason, it's been around forever, and people tell us that it's good, but invariably, every time you actually try it, you realize it truly does suck, right? Yeah, like, I mean, have you ever seen the Jets 
truly uh, good for a sustained period of time totally. in your life. Totally. And, and likewise, I think pistachio is probably decent once, but you try it twice in a week and you're sick of it, right? Right, right. Maybe maybe your grandparents could attest to that, but I, I personally <laughs> Now, Stephen, <laughs> right. here's the thing. So we'll just take Miami, Philly, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, right? Yeah. If you look historically at the NFL, and this is why I, I say all this to kind of give people pause a little bit, because every year in the NFL, and the two that really jump out to me, one of them you can certainly relate to, the other I was covering. But I remember like the, and I'm going in the way back admittedly, the 01 Rams. They started yeah. out and it was like, holy cow, these guys are going to go six, they're going to go 19 to 0 and win every game by 30 points. And then after six games, they they had an injury, they, they slip a little bit. They lost seven of their last 10 games and limped into the playoffs as a wild card. The mm-hmm. Bucks. The Bucks coming off the Super Bowl when the Colts went in there on the Monday Night Miracle and and broke them. They were they were it looked like they were going to be the number one seed. Undoubtedly, the Colts go in there and beat them, and, and they were never truly the same again. I feel like, and I want you to tell me if you think I'm off base. Miami, Philly, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco. Of those teams, I feel like the one that has the greatest probability of hitting a hurdle and coming crashing back down to earth is Miami. Your thoughts? Well, I would say, and that's based on injury. I just don't think they have that. They have players that are truly unique, oh, okay. Stephen, yeah. but they don't have the sustainability of those players. That's fair. I mean, number one, I mean, and I hate to even go here, okay, but their quarterback has some recent injury history. It just it is what it is, right? We we spent the whole off season talking about it, so we can't pretend it's not there. That is what it is. I hope he's. I hope he stays healthy the whole year. Uh, I'm a big Tua fan. Now, but that's a that's a real thing. And the other thing I would say is that offense, even though this is still, you know, this is 2023, and we talk about this being a, a different era of football. When you do get late in the season and you do get into those big division games and you get into the playoffs, we start to see why defense matters. Right, we we start to see the teams that can't get stops in the playoffs. They're facing the best offenses, and that those teams tend to sometimes fade. I mean, uh, if you look at, I think Buffalo, I think that's been their one of their Achilles' heels in the playoffs the last couple of years. Uh, so anyway, the point I'm making is, while I do think Miami has. Uh, a very formidable defense. Uh, they're built on scoring points right now. There's no doubt about that. And and I just think sometimes offense can be a little more fleeting. Defense is a little more predictable. And I think you can look you can look at no further than at the Colts right now. I mean, they won these last two games with Gardner Minshew playing basically seven of the eight quarters, and he was okay in Houston. He was fine. I thought he was just. I thought he was average to a little below average against Baltimore. And I know that sounds mean, but it's just true. They kind of won, and I don't want to say in spite of him, but he certainly didn't win them the game. He just didn't lose the game. I was going to say, he didn't lose it either, right? I mean, like, kind of game manager, right? Right. But you know what they've done? They've played great defense. You know, they didn't. They kind of let up in the second half against Houston, but they hadn't scored enough points by them. The point is, their defense has carried them. So, I just think, you know, while you are figuring things out, you know, Philly is another example. Philly on offense right now, they're not that good. 
they're not scaring anybody right now. But defensively, I mean, you know, look at this kid, Jalen Carter. I mean, look at the, the defensive players they already have. I mean, that is just – I think you're going to get a little bit more predictable results on defense, even though, okay, even though it's, it's 2023 and we believe that that offense drives the NFL, that's just my opinion. Defense is just a little more, you know, predictable. I feel like Tennessee is chocolate chip. Like, it's been around forever. It, it's it's kind of a staple, but every time you have it, it truly kind of underwhelms, right? Yeah. And, and is it melting? Just, is Tennessee melting? Maybe you just described Ryan Tannehill, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, By the way, uh, I didn't watch them this weekend, but I think I've, I've seen enough and know enough to know it's over. And, and yeah. they will have a different starting quarterback probably before long here. Is Jacksonville – did we learn more hmm. Sunday, Stephen, about Jacksonville or Houston in that game? So I think Jacksonville is like frozen yogurt. It's kind of like they tell you it's good, but you're not really sold. <laughs> I don't know if that analogy really works. No, it does. Like you don't, you, you're not certain. It's kind of like the real thing, but you're still not sure that it's the real thing type deal. And look, I'm not taking a victory lap here. I thought they would win the Do you know, Steve, let me just like tell you this. Do you realize how much it warms my heart to have you not only going along with my analogy, but then further using it for your own explanation? Do you realize the kind of camaraderie <laughs> that we have based on this? Yes. A, I'm making a monster here, aren't I? That's what it's happening. Yes, that's, that's right. That's really what I'm Thanks. I'm creating a monster. Uh, so listen, I would say this about Jacksonville. Look, I I picked them to win the division, which was you know not like going out on a limb or anything. But I would say this, and I'm not taking a victory lap. I think this was kind of obvious, frankly. I always had a caveat, like, hey, I like them, but they haven't done it for any length of time. Frankly, at the start of last season, we still weren't quite sure. I mean, they came in here to Indianapolis and lost. You know, a game that they probably should not have lost last season. That was a bad Colts team. And so it was really, really the second half of last season and then obviously the big playoff win uh, that we saw. And, and I think we want to believe, all right, hey, Jacksonville's good now. Well, I mean, are they? Is, is that enough? I don't know. I think you have to ask yourself. I do think that Trevor Lawrence is the real deal or can be. Uh, but again, same with him, right? I mean, he hasn't done it for any sustained period of time either. So that's what it is. It, look, I said this about college football the other day, too. It's kind of like you look around the country, and I have no idea who's good. <laughs> you know, I mean, Georgia, I guess, is good. You know, but like, who's good? I don't know. And we don't know yet. Too much has to happen. And I think sometimes we we convince ourselves of things early in football seasons and we, we of the things we want to believe. And then we quickly realized that maybe we were wrong about some things. Really, what we should do is let it play out a little more. I think that's where we are in the NFL right now. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. ESPN.com, Stephen Holder with us on Query & Company. Stephen, what should Colts fans be monitoring and looking for in terms of air markers or indication to how Anthony Richardson is trending this week? Well, certainly he's got to practice tomorrow. I mean, if he does practice tomorrow, that's a great sign. I think as long as there's no setback in the in the protocol, and meaning 
not even setback, just as long as he's, he's taking steps forward in the, in the protocol. He's got to practice to, to make it to the next step of that protocol. But, look, why, this is not a prediction, but all we can do is just read the tea leaves and, and indicators. And a couple things tell me that, that he's on the right track, and, and I fully expect that he'll play, is, number one, even early last week, I'm talking about, I believe, a week ago today, Tuesday, the player's day off, Anthony Richardson was at the facility working on the game plan for Baltimore. <laughs> I mean, it's a day off, and he was in there. So, obviously, they kept him out, but I don't know if the decision hadn't been made at that point, or, or I have no idea. The point is, he was there. Uh, not at home, under the covers, in a dark room, for what that's worth, right? I am not a neurologist, but I'm just telling you what I know. The other thing I would say is that he, he traveled with the team this week. I mean, I know that players who have suffered uh, certainly, um, you know, severe concussions in the past, one of the things that they have tried to avoid doing is putting them on an airplane. You know, so I don't know. I, I just know that those are small things that you can look at that in no way suggest you should assume anything, but they're certainly all positive indicators that, that he's doing well. So we'll see what happens. I, I feel pretty good about it, though. I'm going to ask you this again, maybe midpoint of the season, maybe towards the end of the season, but three weeks in, outside of Anthony Richardson, is the retention of Gus Bradley the best thing that happened to the Colts this offseason? I guess take Shane Steichen out, too. Take Steichen and Richardson off the board. Yeah. Is Gus Bradley the front runner for that? Uh, look, i got to tell you, I, think they're, I thought they were good on defense. I think they might be better than good, potentially. We'll see. I think they have a chance to be. They still have a couple of pieces. I'm not answering the question, but uh, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think because you know what? When you really think about it, they didn't make a lot of moves, and and it was interesting. I remember going through the the coaching search. They hadn't really made any decisions about their defensive staff, and it was kind of strange. We weren't seeing their defensive coaches interviewing other places for for open positions. And and we quickly learned that uh, there was some thought that they, that maybe they would keep the defensive staff, and that's always like a risky thing to do. You know, you always worry: is that going to work? Is the new coach going to be receptive to that? Uh, you know, are there going to be philosophical differences, et cetera, et cetera? And I would say that that it has worked out. The other thing I would say uh, for uh, Gus Bradley in his favor is he has adapted; he has evolved. Now, there's there's some stats floating around Twitter today that you can find, and you can just watch the games and see this for yourself. They have been much more aggressive on defense this year. They are blitzing the quarterback at a rate that he has never done in his entire coaching career. That's never been a staple of Gus Bradley. He's always been one of the the coaches, or one of the, he's always had one of the, the 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 defenses that have had the lowest blitz rates in the NFL. And they have gotten like super aggressive the last couple of weeks. I actually happen to love it. And I think that you have to mix things up in today's NFL. Doesn't mean you can just go crazy with it, but I think when when it makes sense, go after people, you know, and, and they definitely threw some wrenches at at Lamar Jackson that I don't think he anticipated and I'm thinking that had a lot to do with the way Lamar Jackson played on Sunday, which wasn't very good. In that game, Stephen, when you know when a game like that is that close, goes into overtime, obviously, for a young coach, that's a lot. Shane Steichen 
how much did he grow up on Sunday, or were there were there times that if you were to critique a rookie performance from a head coach, that he illuminated that, or did he in fact push all the right buttons? Obviously, they won, so he did. But you get what I'm saying. No, I, I get it. Um, no, I, I think he I think he largely got it right, and I think the the big takeaway or, or one of the one of the big takeaways from a win like that is that you you gain more belief from your players. Now he clearly has has these guys' attention, and and until things go poorly, you you tend to keep it. You know that's what that's how coaching works. You know it's like your message works until it doesn't. <laughs> but for right now, the message is getting through, and when you have a win like that, it only emboldens you more. You can point to now. You can now point to the scoreboard and say, guys. You see, you bought in, and look what happened. It, it really is empowering for a coach, you know, for those things to happen. So it only helps him uh, to kind of further his message. And, and the one thing I would say that he has done a good job of, and he gets a lot of credit for this, uh, he is a big detail guy. That is what everyone says about Shane Sykin. And if you, you watch practice, uh, they, they work on things endlessly like ball security and and raking at the football from a defensive perspective. And those are the things that kind of won the game for them. I mean, look at, um, look at the, the turnovers they forced. They didn't turn the ball over. Um, you know, they went and got that loose ball when Minshew got sacked from the blind side in, in their own territory. Quentin Nelson, if you haven't seen that play, go to my Twitter. I've got the video of it. Quentin Nelson scrambling and run, running like a four – 640 to go get the ball away from this defender and knock it out when it's going to be a possible scoop and score. I mean, that's, that's good stuff, man. That's, that's those hustle plays. And that's a team that I think is, is really bought in and, and learning how to win. At Holder Steven, by the way, on Twitter, ESPN.com, where you can read Steven Holder. My last question, Steven, is this. Uh, I, I don't know that you would know this answer or that any of us will, but I'll ask your opinion on it. Because a couple of people asked me, it's a good question. Rams played yesterday, last night, in Cincinnati. They play in Indianapolis coming up on Sunday. Obviously, you know, it's not like they're all immediately buying the early bird to check into Southwest Airlines and get in the A-line, right? They do travel a little bit differently than does the normal person. But is there any chance that the Rams actually stay in the Midwest instead of traveling all the way back to the West Coast and then back again? I'm glad you asked that because I actually meant to check on that last night and I totally forgot. I'm actually going to look into that because I, I thought about it too. I was like, wait a minute, they can't possibly be going home, right? I mean, I guess they could. You know, it's not like you're not quite flying coast to coast. And so I guess that takes a little bit of the sting out of it. But I mean, a Monday night game, I mean, you're getting back, you know, literally Tuesday morning. Steven, Steven and listen, I'm 51 years old, right? Yeah, I'm gray in the now, and I will say, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I look really good for 51. Like, I'm, I pretty much am, I'm, I'm putting the sexy in 51. But that said, if I can, I thought you were about to like read an ad for like you know men's vitamins or something. But go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I'm with trust me, I take a, a full dose of cardiac vitamins every morning. If, if I can fly to Portland. Do an IndyCar race, fly back on a red eye, land on Monday, do a radio show, fly back on Friday, do a race in Monterey, fly back on a red eye, land, do a show on Monday. Then the Rams can stick it out and play a football game, right? 
Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll get today off. So they'll sleep all day, and then you just kind of round them up tomorrow and say, all right, guys, wake up. Let's get to work. So I that, mean, admittedly, I'd probably rather be hanging out in Los Angeles than Batesville, right? Right, and honestly, yes. <laughs> is that the halfway point? Kind that of? is, yeah. yeah. You could stop by the yeah. Batesville Casket Company if you'd like. I believe there's still a steak and shake there as well. I mean, there, there might even be a Kroger. So, I mean, you know, it's you everything you <laughs> the want. The rest of the steak um, and shakes actually are in Batesville Caskets, but that one actually is open in Batesville, I believe. Okay. They're good, good to know. So, I think I'm with you. I do, I do agree. And, you know, you can be in the, the comfort of your facility and all that stuff. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're having to find somewhere to practice and you know, all those little comforts of home that you lose. So, I, I'm with you. I'm sort of players who prefer to just go home. They probably did. I will check on that, though. That's a good question. And, I was curious myself. Um, look, I mean, they're they're now talking about having regular season games in Brazil and Spain and further doing further international expansion. So ultimately, you know, these guys are going to have to get used to it. Maybe kind of grin and bear like NBA players do, I guess. He's the mint chocolate chip of our weekly guest, Stephen Holder, <laughs> ESPN.com. Stephen, appreciate it as always. We'll let, what's that? I don't know. Never mind. I said I don't know if that's good or bad, but go ahead. <laughs> it's good. It's the it's the top flavored ice cream. That's what I'm saying, right? right? Awesome. I mean, I could have given you triple mango. Would you rather be that? No, I'm good. I'm good. It's horrific, right? <laughs> Steven, appreciate it. Have a good week, man. See you guys.